Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betspurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive, Andy. Uh, just a little note for the viewers and the listeners. Uh, this was pre-recorded. Uh, hopefully, uh, Andy's enjoying his uh, oh, well-earned good, good vacation call. right now, and hopefully, I'm I'm on a boat somewhere uh, off the Pacific yeah, Coast. Undoubtedly, we'll talk about somebody, and we'll be like, ah, oh, this yeah. guy's. And and between now and when we air this, that guy will fracture his femur, and <laughs> just know. And honestly, we're we're gonna do the same. We'll do it quicker, but we'll do the same uh, kind of. Uh, precursor yeah. when we get to the other one we're going to record yeah, actually for just yeah. in case just because uh i mean that's what happens this time of year that's the depressing part yeah. outside of the cardinals um watching the cardinals <laughs> clips i did check into that a little bit you're right but yeah, a lot of guys get injured and it's funny because we're going to talk about tampa bay off the top here and yeah they lost some players i mean they lost in a very important offensive lineman right off the bat around this time last year, great right point. away in camp. And that was a, a kind of a harbinger of things to come because it wouldn't be the only offensive lineman that would hurt, and it wouldn't be the only player that would miss significant time for a team that ended up repeating as division champions. And Incredible. fourth uh, playoff participant to go in with a losing record. Incredible. Uh, huge negative points differential yeah it was um, i think they had the biggest negative the the worst point differential in their division yeah and they won. remember everybody was kind of in it for a little bit and i uh, believe it was week 17 or 16 yeah. or 17 was almost a, a de facto play-in game between carolina and that's Tampa right Bay. and if you remember how bad carolina was starting the season Whew. It's not like they turned around the season and went like, you know, eight and two. They, I think they went like six and five to close the season and still were kind of in it at the end. So that's yeah. what this division was last year. The Bucks were uh, the winners and their, you know, their reward is a first place schedule. <laughs> yeah, you bring, up, you bring up Carolina, by the way, uh, who had a uh, terrible start to the season. Under the guise of uh, Baker Mayfield, who now finds himself in Tampa. Um, so Baker Mayfield can't quit the NFC South. Uh, NFC South was weird last year. Uh, Tampa with eight and nine record was the winners over Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta, who all went seven and ten. Uh, just an absolute miasma of sub-mediocrity in the NFC South last year, which I think has people a little... Maybe sleeping on this division this year to a degree. I mean, I don't think with the teams we're talking about today, we're going to see any, you know, realistic noisemakers in the playoffs. And ultimately, you know, maybe that's really where it's at. No NFC South team has a realistic chance to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, but overall, I think the market is a hair low on these teams in aggregate. Um, and that's including the idea that Tampa Bay might be one of the worst NFL teams this year, just on the basis of uh, how they've constructed this roster and, you know, the current status of the uh, coaching, um, you know, I guess the tenuous nature of the uh, Todd Bowles coaching regime here. Um, let's reflect a little bit on 2020 for the Bucks, which uh, ultimately, yeah. you know, hey, the Rams, the Packers, they were expected to be in the mix for a Super Bowl. They didn't make the playoffs. At least Tampa made the playoffs. Of the teams yeah. that were really expected to do well, they underachieved the least. I don't know. Is that fame phrase? <laughs> the, uh, uh, but it was. this was a bad yeah. team last year. It was a bad team that got their butts handed to them every time they played a legitimately tough opponent. And were it not for some pretty fortuitous comebacks against some teams in their division, I don't think that realistically this was an eight-win team. Um, and you know, it was quite a way for Tom Brady to put a, uh, you know, a final note on his career, but I want to kind of go back to camp last year, Andy, one year ago when it was a clusterfuck of retirements. It was, it was unretirement, unretirements, uh, Tom Brady unretired. He's back in camp surprise. He's missing. And speaking of being on vacation and being on a boat, 
<laughs> we, we talked to enough people and they're like, uh, yeah, this is a weird absence. The coaches were not expecting it. And we're like, oh man, is he dealing with like a family emergency? Like, oh man, is, is there a health problem? Like what's how, like, is it his mom? Like there was all this weird. There was a lot of steam going around on. like and sick mom, wasn't our, there? Yeah. Our friends were literally like, uh, you know, my buddy is golfing in Baker's Bay Bahamas. And he said, Brady's just down there hanging out on his boat. And like Giselle was in Costa Rica with their kids. And it was like, okay, so he literally just doesn't want to be in camp. Um, and you know, he's he's enough of a veteran that he can kind of do what he wants. Um, but it didn't help that he didn't have much chemistry going into the season with that group of uh, offensive players. He had you had players like you know, m- super important pieces like Godwin coming off of a huge, you know, huge terrible injuries. Uh, you lose the entire interior offensive line to um, you know, early camp injuries and retirements. Um, and you, you know, yeah, the market retirement was big. And- yeah. Should Brady have stayed retired? What was what's, what's your, old I, yeah, I think so. And then the, the weirdest retirement or unretirement, cause the Gronk one checks out. That's fine. Like that guy's given enough of his body to the league and he's fun. And like, just let that guy go party. Like that guy should just go to Ibiza and just party yeah. 365. Go, go get after it, Gronk. But uh, the weirdest one was Brady unretires, and then what? Two, three weeks later, Arians is like, "I'm done." No, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I don't. I, I thought I he forgot was. That. I, I forgot we never really got answers on that because he did stay with the team. He's actually still with the team as an advisor. He's listed as you know uh, a member of the coaching staff technically. Hmm. So I mean, he's still there. I don't. I don't know what the whole deal was with that, but it led into the you know the Bulls regime and. I mean, if we're if we're nitpicking 2022, obviously first on the list is the run game because it's hard to get around a run game being that bad somehow. <laughs> but Bulls probably not a a plus as a head coach. No, like the d- decision making yeah. was poor, and then we we did, you know we also didn't love uh, the offensive play calling, the offensive play caller. It's obviously has been replaced, but so it, it was a. It was a weird off season that turned into a. I guess we have a new head coach, and we're going to try this out. And we still have a Hall of Famer at quarterback, but you know, we talked about this a little with the, um, you know, the rise of spending money on interior defensive linemen and what it matters against teams that you know have mostly invested in high end tackles especially if you have a pocket passer, like it's a big problem if you can get interior pressure. And it's funny, this is a team that probably has that in spades, obviously on the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. but uh, with the, with the, you know, arbitrage slash injury at the offensive line, probably downgrades at most of the coaching positions and one more year of age on Brady, plus probably a decent amount of don't give a fuck. Because if you just skip that much camp to go golf and sit in the sun, it doesn't feel like you're the same amount of focus that was uh, expected of you when you're hanging yeah. out with Bill and Bill and Bob and the gang up in New yeah. England. So I wonder if he finally just like, oh, like, yeah, it's 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 like uh, the divorced parents and like, oh, dad doesn't dad doesn't really monitor me. I can get away with whatever I want. Yeah, it's not strict like mom's house. And suddenly you realize like oh, I'm I'm not doing camp. I'm forty something. Fuck this. So, <laughs> Ultimately, he didn't. Yeah, it, it, it was a weird. It was kind of a weird, you know, lead up into a season where we yeah. still said like, hey, there's a lot of good players on this team yet. Sure. And I think we're kind of in the same position jumping at a little. There's a lot of good players on this team still, but you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore. Yeah. Uh, Depending how you feel about, <laughs> you know, the next Kyle 10 Trask. years of Baker Mayfield's oh, career. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that might be the year. That might that I, We might not have even had to um, give the uh, – uh, the caveat off the top about this being pre-recorded because by the time you listen to this, Kyle Trask may have stolen the QB one job based on how poor Baker Mayfield looks so far. Camp. That said, um, it was a weird offseason for Brady. I think by the end of the offseason, as we got into game starting, um, I think he was getting a divorce at that point in time. Like it was at least public. There was a weird 
Reddit theory, you remember, of the person who's like, I think Tom Brady is on the, on the masked singer. And that like lit things up for like an entire three that days of the month for like, a week. like, what is why? So, man, but yeah, how is this thing? He uh, did have the yeah. divorce and yeah. the FTX stuff. The FTX thing, yeah. That was in the, that was in season though. Uh yeah, yeah no, so I'm saying he was having he kind of yeah. had a lot on his plate. <laughs> It was a weird year for Mr. Brady. And yet we um, still saw vintage yeah. Brady a lot. <clears throat> so here, here's where I want to pivot. People have broken this down, but you didn't see him for big chunks of the game. But vintage Brady did poke his head out quite a few times. And often it was late in the game. Sure. You remember that Saints game? He looked like he should have retired at halftime. And then he goes out there in the fourth quarter and puts yeah. together two of the best drives they had all year. Yeah. That rope like, oh, dope to me. Uh, yeah. This guy can still like kick it up three notches. Sure. That rope dope me into backing them to beat the Cowboys when they got absolutely annihilated in the playoffs. <laughs> I was like, well, if he, if he could do that, if he's got that in his bag, uh, you know, you know, he's going up against Mike McCarthy. Why not? No, no, they were summarily thrashed in their playoff loss 31 to 14. Uh, and all the signs were there. Although I will say this is what I maybe I need you a little your help or a little reflection on in the 2022 campaign, Andy. Um, Tom Brady threw, or he, you know, he dropped back something like 750 times, uh, 733, 733 pass attempts. Do you want to guess if that is a career high? I think it might be 733 was a career high for him in pass attempts, um, by a lot. His previous was the year before at 719. His previous, his highest in new England ever was 637. Yes. I know there is a 17th game and that matters, but that's still a huge Delta of, yeah, that's a lot more passes. And that was sort of the telltale of the, you know, the Tom Brady offense, which is we're going to throw, we're going to throw it, we're going to push the boundaries. We're going to find out how much throwing is too much throwing. And part of the reason was because the complimentary part of their game with the rushing attack was so underwhelming that they just sort of had to. Here's the crazy thing that I kind of am having a really tough time wrapping my head around it. If it was all, if it was a known, they were always going to throw. There was not really a ton of misdirection, and their interior offensive line stunk. Tom Brady, of course, got the ball out of his hands at an all-time fast clip, which helped things. But would you believe he was the lowest pressure rate of any quarterback that qualified last season? For whatever reason, like he just he got the ball out of his hand fast enough. He was never hit. He was never hurried, and he was only sacked. Uh, what? Uh, a handful of times, only sacked 22 times. That was uh, way, way low in his, you know, kind of career numbers. And so, like, he kind of was doing it in spite of the weaknesses with the O line. I don't know. Is that check out to you, or am I? Is am I? Am I? Is there some bust here in the data that I'm mis misremembering, or what? No, and and I think a big connection, and I think if you read any other Bucks preview or any other kind of uh, explanation of the Bucks 2022 season, I let off with like, hey, their rush EPA, their rush stats, just any stat you want to look at for running the ball was 30th or worse, it feels like. I mean, mm -hmm. they all are. I mean, the, but you hear this so many times. They did throw so many screen passes. Yeah. And they say the, the, the cliche that goes around that, it's an extension of the run. It's, it's a screen passes are run plays you know so if you'd lump those together with the running it doesn't look as bad it still wasn't great but they did they did kind of lean on that short stuff a lot of screen plays so i mean they put a premium on getting the ball out quick and i don't know if some of it was because they just knew going in we don't have the offensive line right now to hold out for long, deep drops, you know, more than a couple times a game when we know it's in an advantageous position as far as how their defense lines up. But, you know, that's, I guess, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Like if, yeah. if you have a, <clears throat> you can, you can scream at the five guys up front until you're blue in the face, tell them to play better. Um, but sometimes just throwing the ball a lot faster is a better way to not get hit. Yeah, his pocket time was his career low, 2.2 seconds. Uh, his air yards was a career low, 6.7 intended air yards per pass attempt. That was way down from his other two years in Tampa. And um, and yet, you know, there were still flashes like the game against Carolina in the second half where they just un he unloaded it and he all of a sudden looked like he had perfect chemistry with Mike Evans again. And, 
you know, there was enough flashes where I very unwisely burned a pile of money on that Monday night football playoff game. Um, but uh, I think the real message, the real lesson of the 2022 Bucks was when Brady left New England, they had a clear two-year window to try to chase championships with the talent that existed on that roster, the acquisitions that they made, and Brady kind of at the very tail end of his career. They pushed it to two and a half, three, and it all kind of completely fell apart because you had regression for some of the older players on that roster, injuries all of a sudden caught up to you, and uh, you know you didn't really have any of the injection or backfill of youth from your drafting and development program uh to kind of make up important snaps and so it's it's that was kind of in my opinion sort of the the telltale story of the three-year arc of the bucks surprised they won a super bowl maybe a year before people expected they didn't quite get as lucky the next year as the rams got the better of them in the playoffs and then finally the third year was literally everyone yeah no and go go look at that 2020 season too just the injury luck was immaculate Go look at when the Rams made it both. You know, the, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it takes just a team that's in the top twenty percent has a quarterback and they have just immaculate luck with the injury bug. Because we saw what can happen to some of these really good teams when it when it bites them the next year, how far they can fall off. So, yeah, the 2022 schedule turned out to be sort of easy ish. You know, a lot of the teams that were predicted to be a little better weren't as good. They played a bunch of middling teams. They ended up getting some nice wins against a few of them. And but yeah, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't uh, wasn't a great record. And their win total sitting at six and a half because of that. And <laughs> boy, I, and I know we we do this before you actually dig in to a division, much less a team. You kind of end up with these preconceived notions and just kind of looking at the roster. I'd be like, man, this is like an alt-over team for me if I see anything from the quarterbacks in camp. And then camp comes, and it's like, well, that's coming. Never mind. <laughs> because it, it is yeah. it is a yeah, good roster that has yeah, a lot of, of nice pieces on it. All three levels of the defense, you have very good wide receiver room. You have some pieces. You brought in some things. You've kind of revamped the offensive line. Yeah. But, man, if it's if it's not, you know, the Baker Mayfield we saw at his peak in Cleveland, you kind of you're gonna end up with six or seven wins an awful lot of times. Yeah. Uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 2022 were the were the most underwhelming to anyone who backed them from a uh, betting standpoint. Uh their over-under win total was eleven and a half last year. Uh, they, of course, won eight games, so they missed that by a mile. The alt-unders came in, even though they ended up winning their division as pretty meaningful favorites. Um, Super Bowl price was plus 780 last year. They did not come close. The real impressive thing, Andy, <laughs> the Buccaneers played 18 games last season. They somehow went 4-13-1 against the spread. This was a team that... that uh, covered their first two out of the gate with impressive wins, impressive defensive performances at Dallas, at New Orleans. Two road games out of the gate. You're a small favorite. Your defense takes care of business while the offense gets their legs under them. They would only cover two more games the rest of the way. They were one of the hottest fades on in the entire NFL, maybe on earth. And it was because the offense could not score 20 points. They went under their total uh, six out of the 18, no, 12 out of the 18 games, excuse me, only went over on six. And the overs were games where the other team uh, kind of took the top off of your defense. And uh, that was games against Kansas City, Baltimore, San Francisco, Cincinnati, uh, and then, uh, you know, late in the season, Carolina and Atlanta. Um, but you know, it was pretty pretty typical. How do you bet this team in the regular season last year? You fade them, and then if it's a good quarterback on the other side of the ball, you play the over, and then that was kind of that. So, uh, really weird, uh, weird season from the Bucks. I feel like I bet all these games. I had equal amount of a game I where bet Seattle against them. Oh yeah, I had, I think about a about a wash across my entire season betting these guys because I had some standout awesome reads on specific matchups and games like the week one under. Um, 
week two against New Orleans, I remember backing them. Um, but then there were some what in the hell was I thinking moments later in the season. 13-point favorites at Carolina, Andy. They lost 21-3. Two-and-a-half-point <laughs> uh, favorites against Seattle. I thought Seattle was live. They, they, they made quick work of Seattle there, ultimately only winning 21-6 but covering. Um, th- I thought they were a good bet. I thought the defense was going to get at Brock Purdy and get, you know, hang a first loss on Brock Purdy when they went at San Francisco. Tom Brady's homecoming. Big, big game. Let's show up, guys. They lost 35-7. Um, it was, that was ugly. there was, some there were some moments I bet on these guys to turn it around and they just no showed. And, uh, ultimately I think, um, this will go down as one of the uh, kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but, uh, just underwhelming seasons from a team with uh, some elite talent that I could ever remember. Yeah. And then the playoff game, they hosted a playoff game. You know, obviously against a 13 win, or it would have been a 12 12 win uh, Cowboys team at that point. 12 win uh, wild card team. I think they closed two and a half point dogs at home, yeah. which I couldn't, I guess I can't believe now. Hindsight is a beautiful gift, but looking back at how that matched up, surprised you didn't see enough support to push it past three. I think there was a bit of a push and pull at three, if I remember right. But uh, obviously didn't didn't come close to that. They were losing, you know, eighteen nil at half and <laughs> made some made some inroads in the second half. It, but much it could have been little, it could have been worse. Yeah, much too little. Probably should have been worse. Yeah, um, and that was the end. And uh, almost exact. I think it was exactly a year later. Tom Brady says, I'm done to done to done for real this time. And I'm, I'm single, ready to mingle. I have lost $3 billion in FTX. I need to go figure my life out. <laughs> it didn't say it. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But, uh, and we had into, you know, we headed into this offseason. And I guess that maybe one more reason, and this is, you know, we can talk about the offensive line a little too, but obviously not excited about Baker Mayfield. Don't know I'm, much about Kyle Trask. Sure. Haven't seen him at this level, really. But they went and got the quarterback's coach from Seattle to be your offensive coordinator. The guy who, you know, absolutely kind of he had to be some part of the reclamation project out there. Took something. So I, I was a little hopeful. And I, I that's maybe while, I, while I'm, you know, and we're recording this on August 1st. This will be funny when we release this. And Baker Mayfield is like retired because he goes like <laughs> 0, he goes 0 for 21 in camp. Actually, he's getting guaranteed money. And he's got a he's kind of got to grin and bear it for the season, even if he loses his starting job. But uh I, I still have hope that they can sort something out. It's still so early in camp. Like if, if he has any magic beans at all, he can get Baker Mayfield to because I mean, he was above average quarterback at his peak. Now, granted, that was a, a different team in a different time, but if you can get Baker Mayfield to be a you know, middle-of-the-road replacement-level quarterback, you still have enough pieces here to win this goddamn division again. I don't know what the goal is. You know, they, they certainly aren't selling people off, and they, they are backfilling. It's definitely not, you know, when we start talking on Mondays, our first team, sometimes we're talking about a team that might be tanking a little. Oh, yeah. Or a team that's early in a rebuild. This is not the look of a team that's tanking. Uh, there's not really a tanking team in this division. And it's, uh, you know, it, it does feel like they they absolutely feel like they can get it done here if they can get anything out of the quarterback position. I'm kind of with them, too. That said, I, you know, probably will have to look at those prices. It'd be, for me, it would just be, hey, this is a team that can win nine games if mm-hmm. they have good quarterback play but i'd like your take on some of the i called it backfilling some of it is you know not that obviously ryan jensen has been on the team he's on the team he just missed basically everything but the playoff game due to tearing every acronym in his knee in the preseason mm-hmm. missing almost everything and then they, they brought in a couple of – and then moved Wirfs too, right? Wirfs was right. Tackle. Yeah, correct? now he's playing on the left, yep. 
You're so right. he's he's Donovan moved over Smith to the left. Was their left tackle last year, and he was a walking holding. They drafted the ginger kid from mm-hmm. NDSU. Yep, I watched him Cody a little Mock. bit at the combine. Um, bring in Matt Filer. I'd like to hear your uh, take on where you think the offensive line is compared <clears> to last year. Well, I uh, I owe the listeners a uh, uh, a my bad. Um, you brought up the uh, the fact that it was eighteen nothing at halftime, right? Against mm-hmm. the uh, Cowboys. And I said it should have been more. That was the infamous game where Brett Maher missed extra, every extra point. <laughs> it should have been 21 nothing. Oh. Maher missed four consecutive <laughs> extra points in that game. So oh. it was 24, it was 24 nothing Cowboys with 6666. And uh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> that that, and that's it. the thing about a game like that. If that game is close, it's a tragedy. Yeah. If it's a blowout like it was, it became more of a comedy where it's like, oh no, what's what's going on? But it's like, oh shit, Dallas is still up by a bunch. So like, yeah. We we yeah. we can we can deal with this. That so, was one of the weirdest things. Uh, sorry about the uh, diversion there, but um, to answer your no, question about I'm the offensive line, uh, the offensive line I rate twenty second. So this is a bottom half unit. Interior offensive line twenty third. Um, and if you're gonna try a Baker Mayfield experience, I think you better protect him. Um, if there's maybe one thing he can do, it's throw a nice deep ball. Um, but it, this offensive line and the additions he made, I don't really see this working to where he's going to be afforded the opportunity to play best Baker Mayfield. Um, I have a minus grade on Luke, uh, good, good, uh, Don't know how to pronounce that. Um, I think he's overmatched at right tackle. Cody Motch obviously is a rookie, so impossible to project there, but that looks like a problem. Your backups for both of those positions are a problem. So the right side of your line is, you know, I would expect very little. Uh, I think Ryan Jensen can bounce back and try it at least by the end of the season. Maybe the unit plays a little bit better, but moving Tristan Wirfs to left tackle from right tackle seems like a tricky thing to ask him to do because he was so good at right tackle. Um, and Matt Filer, good player, but again, not enough to really help elevate that line to above average. Uh, so Baker Mayfield potentially going to be a little bit on the run and going to be pretty unsupported by a rushing attack that it was poorly schemed uh, last year. Um, they have moved on from uh, Byron Leftwich. Um, Byron Leftwich's offensive play calling and vision and philosophy, his scheme was bad last year. Um, it was predictable. Uh, they force-fed Leonard Fournette when they absolutely did not have to. Um, but there's really no one coming to the rescue in the running game. Uh, all of these guys are replacement level at best. Uh, it's just a who's who of guys who have not really worked out. Uh, Rash- Rashad White, Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn, Patrick Laird. I mean, good luck getting anything going in the running game against you're, you're uh, probably yeah you probably named like two players that might not even be on the roster probably yeah and if there's a strength on this team uh it's not the tight end position it's not the running back position it is the wide receiver position where you at least have two bona fide guys who can make you know hit all pro numbers and that's mike evans of course and chris godwin both guys are healthy both guys are probably raise the floor of your offense enough that you're not going to be in the in the um, Caleb Williams sweepstakes, which is a bad thing for you as a franchise. So if I were Tampa and I were seeing what was going on with my quarterback situation in camp, I would be actively shopping both guys to see if I could get meaningful trade value back, especially for Mike Evans before you really have to make a tough decision and let him walk away with no compensation. So in my mind, no guarantee that those guys finish the season on the roster. Uh, Chris Godwin would be a guy you would want to keep because he's a little younger and maybe has a little higher ceiling after now coming back off of the injured injury-ridden season. Um, but slot wide receiver is an issue for you. Nah, not not super. Not a not a Russell Gage guy. Depth is an issue for you. Um, so I think you know two good wide receivers does not make an offense. Uh, and for those reasons, you probably need to uh, consider moving on and uh, starting over, which is kind of what you do after you put all your chips on the table for a two-year window where you actually got a Super Bowl. <laughs> so don't really feel bad for Tampa. I feel like they should tear this thing down to the studs. Um, I just don't realize. I just don't really know uh, if they have 
a little too much talent offensively <clears throat> to be a team that's competing with the likes of the Cardinals, the Rams, the Commanders, uh, the Raiders, uh, the Colts, Texans, Titans for the number one pick next year. There's a lot of yeah, teams feel, kind of in that mix. They feel a little purgatory-ish where they – it feels like a very – narrow and we'll, we'll look at the schedule after we kind of finish up the offseason there but there's a lot of winnable games part of that is because they play in a division with six winnable games um despite us saying this is not a very good team like getting six seven wins feels very very not a very frequent modal and frequent and yeah you know going way under way over probably depends on you know, if you have really, really poor quarterback play, you could you could act, muck it up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's silly because we say this about every team. Like, hey, the quarterback's important, guys. But seeing what we get from a new OC and a new quarterback is probably going to determine, you know, their range is like five to nine. And it's it's not five and it's not nine very much. It's... It's a lot of sixes and sevens. I'm all sixes and sevens today. I think. <laughs> so, Defensive, um, yeah. Lutak, they they, they drafted, yeah. yeah. They drafted Kiansi, which is nice to add to a strength in your interior line next to Vita Vea. But he he basically has the Joe Burrow injury. They're saying it's not too severe. Hopefully, he's back for Week One, but. That's not ideal for a guy who hasn't been in, you know, if it's, hey, this is my sixth year with the team. I've been through sure. camp five times. I know the scheme. It's the same DC. Uh, he's a rookie coming in. Like, he needs camp. And so that's that's bad. I guess um, added, added to safety. The secondary is center strong. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, like, the Antoine Winfield's very good. Depends yeah. how you rate Jamel Dean, I guess. Very, very good linebacking core. So front seven, if Kansi works out, good. Secondary, maybe a little weaker along the edges, but this defense projects to be good, not great. Yeah. So it, it should keep you in games if you can get it together a little bit on offense, which is keeps you in games, puts you in purgatory again. Yeah, I feel like you're – Correct in every regard here. Um, the defense is going to be good enough to keep them in games. Um, the Cansey draft choice felt like a little bit of a luxury pick considering how many places you need to really build up at this point with your roster. Um, I was surprised by that at least. Uh, no one that really let they let walk out the door moves the needle for me a ton uh, defensively. The only close call is Mike Edwards, who I like at safety. Um, everybody else was kind of a depth piece. Golston and Hicks really didn't. They, you know, they both underperformed on the D line. Uh, Keanu Neal, Murphy Bunting, Logan Ryan were all underperformers. So, you know, you kind of are clearing out some of the, um, you know, pieces that didn't really work out for you and you're replacing them with youth, which may work out. But the pass rush is still a question mark outside of Via Veda for me. Uh, Joe Tyron, Tryon. Shakoya, yeah, that was. I mean, that was somebody Joe they spent first round capital. On. That was actually, yeah, a, he's been a presser. Yeah, that was a presser that I caught. I mean, uh, I think it was, I think it was full on head coach said it. Like he needs to perform. Like yeah, basically, like we, we yeah. drafted you. It was late, but we drafted you in the first round, and you've it's like eight sacks in two years. Yeah, Shaq so Barrett. That is, has to that has yeah. to happen, and Shaq Barrett too. That I was just gonna say coming off an Achilles. It. Yeah. You can so if you're a pass rusher, if you're if you rely on speed and explosiveness at all, sometimes you know we you know modern medicine's great, and we've seen some freaks of nature like Adrian Peterson come off an ACL injury and do amazing things. But when you're relying on that, if you have had a really bad Achilles injury, you can lose a step pretty quick sure you can lose some explosiveness some speed some power off that leg so uh, remains to see if he can return to his former glory but um hopefully uh, that would help bigly with the uh with the pass rush obviously yeah and i think 
yeah, it's, these are pieces that I will also like if they are performing well early in the season. Like I'm shopping. Like I, I, I'm fire sale if I'm the Bucks general manager here, and any of these guys who have been around for, you know, more than five years, if they're showing signs of life early in the season, like they're going to have enough value to get you picks for the for a rebuild. I think that's where you go. Um, I agree with you that Antoine Winfield, solid safety. Uh, David and White, solid interior uh, linebacking duo. So you you should have really good coverage of tight ends and slot receivers and all that stuff. But uh, and David and White, you know, very good. Yeah, I like Dean fine. I like Davis fine, but neither guys like anywhere close to say top you know top tier uh, cornerback in the NFL these days. So those guys can get beat by good. Uh, good wide receivers. Tackling is a little bit of an issue. They rely, the Todd Bowles scheme relies too heavily on the blitz. Um, and they don't really, to me at least, have good enough coverage now to survive that. Um, so I think the defense is beatable but from an elite quarterback, kind of like we saw last year. Joe Burrow handled them easily. San Francisco and their scheme handled it easily. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he came back with aggressiveness in that uh, head to head. Uh, made it look easy in the second half, if I remember correctly. And then uh, Pat Mahomes, of course, just utterly took their pants off. It was a <laughs> very, very unimpressive effort by the Bucks defense against the Kansas City Chiefs. So all that said, uh, defense is going to be good enough to keep you in games against bad quarterbacks, but the offense looks like it's got a very, very, very hard ceiling. Um, and I don't really know what you do to fix that. I, I really don't know what to make of this new offensive coordinator either. So um, overall, I give their offseason grade an incomplete because I think they it made sense not to sell all of their dollars for 30, you know, all of their chips for 30 cents on the dollar in the offseason, but maybe they get a little bit more from them if they show up and they're playing well at times in the first half of the season. And at which point I would go like a minus with their off season. But right now it's looking like a C. Uh, yeah. I was going to say C plus because I think it's misguided to not reset after your championship yeah. um, where they're at. If I mean, if you had made a move for a good quarterback. Yeah. What would you have done? Then this checks out. It's like, but, you're really banking on a guy who's never, you know, been an OC and a, you know, and Baker Mayfield to, because that's, those are the two most important things yeah. to go right. There's another and, AFC and, North quarterback you could have made a run at, Andy. Lamar Jackson. If you plug and play Lamar Jackson with this team, is this a team we're talking about as a running contenders? game is better? <laughs> yeah, it was much better. <laughs> like you plug and play Lamar Jackson on this team. Is this a team we're talking about as contenders for an NFC championship? Probably. I, I mean, so that's too. a big, that's a huge delta. They they had five rushing touchdowns last year, too. <laughs> you know how many players wow. have more than five rushing touchdowns? Like 30, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you know sure. what? I bet a, a bunch of them weren't even running backs. I bet there's like five, six quarterbacks that are in there. I think, I, bet, I think almost certainly I bet, there are. I bet Taysom Hill had more running rushing touchdowns than this, than this <laughs> team did last year. I bet there's some, uh, you know, some guys that are like slashes, like Corderell and yeah. T and Taysom Hill Debo. had seven, Andy. Seven. Real. <laughs> I was gonna say they gave him the ball a bunch down. You know, oh god. Uh, I mean, I guess he's a quarterback, but yeah. All so right, off season grades so, are not. So good. do we have to then give them a C or a D for not doing that? You know, I'm giving them a C. C? Okay. I've, I've downgraded from the C+. Plus. Okay. All right, let's look at the schedule. Because I said there's some easy spots. Um, they do have a first-place schedule, which is tough. So you do, you know, you play some tough teams. You see the plus 10, plus 6, plus 7.5, plus 6.5. You play division winners. Um, one of those is the crossover <laughs> of the NFC North. That's a plus, though. Getting to play the NFC North getting to play the AFC South and getting to play your own division. Obviously yeah. you could do a lot worse, but on you still have some just, just grinders like, Hey, San Francisco on the front end of a back-to-back -back road, Buffalo on the road, Philly having to play Philly at all. Cause that's such a bad matchup with their pass rush. Hmm. And then, you know, leading off against a team with a, Pretty good passing offense right off the bat. It'll test that defense. That's going to be an ugly game. 
I don't know what to think of that. Minnesota Tampa. Yeah, weird one. Um that might be the high spot for Baker. Like, oh, he looks pretty good against this as Flores hasn't, you know, completely gotten the defense uh sorted out at that point yet. <laughs> and Baker looks good for one week and then goes to Chicago, plays another bad defense, looks good, and then oh man, is this this team is you know, they're one and one, but they're right there with Minnesota. And then they go to Philly and that never quite gets to seven and Philly yeah. wins by 30 points. Hmm. Right? I mean, that's a home game, I guess it's home in Tampa, but boy, that's an ugly matchup. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you play, by the way, you play four of the six quarterbacks who scored at least five touchdowns on the ground last year. <laughs> you want to guess, you want to name those? You want to play that guessing game? Who were the four quarterbacks on their schedule that scored at least five rushing touchdowns last year? Uh, Fields hurts right off the bat. Bang, bang. Yep. Um, yep. I'm seeing, I had to skip over a bunch. There's a bunch of rookies in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, did did uh, Ritter. No, no, he didn't get there. Oh. Uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, yep, he's three. And the last one is Trevor Lawrence had T-Law. five rushing I was, I was fascinating between T-Law yeah. and Tanny. Somehow Trevor Lawrence had more um, rushing touchdowns than you did as a team, or as many, I guess. Um, here's the thing. You went through that list of quarterbacks, and I think you picked up on something pretty, pretty f- interesting, which is – you're playing a lot of young and inexperienced quarterbacks up and down this list. There are not a lot of veteran quarterbacks on your schedule. That's the other nice thing. It's, that's nice. You're only favored in one game. <laughs> that is kind of insane, right? Okay, so quarterbacks with more than two years of service on your schedule include Derek Carr twice, Kirk Cousins, I guess we have to say Hertz has more than two years because he had that two and a quarter. (laughs) Goff, Josh Allen, and that is it. All of these other games you're talking about, rookie or second year or into their third year guys, which is favorable if your defense is performing well, particularly because... You know, you you at least have a strong linebacking core. You're well, you know, you presumably you're well coordinated. Presumably, your blitz is going to be really effective against those young quarterbacks. Um, you know, you should this this Tampa Bay defense against this schedule should pretty clearly come out above league average, right? Yeah, like this defense's ceiling is like tenth, maybe even a little higher. It's just the problem is the offense's ceiling is probably like twentieth. Right. And you don't win championships with right. defense. That said, you point out the schedule and all the inexperienced quarterbacks you play. If I were able to handpick a schedule, I mean, obviously, uh, still within the structure of having to play certain divisions, and I know I'm playing a first place schedule, you could do a lot worse with a team structured like this, where you have a really, a really good chance to be a top 10 defense. Like, yeah, and right. your offense stinks. Like, that doesn't always work out. But against a bunch of inexperienced quarterbacks or, you know, wet behind the ears and a bunch of guys trying to figure it out or some guys figuring out in new places like Derek Carr, you know, that that's where I was at with this team. I kept coming back to that. I said, this is a team that can probably overperform based on their schedule if they get anything. Yeah. A quarterback. And, you know, it still just all falls on. Can Canales and Baker make some magic happen in what eight coin flip games here? Yeah, basically the games you circle on your schedule where you're like, yo, this is this is how we make our season. Uh the there's like five on here where you are very small home dogs. Right. And how you perform in those games turns goes from like, okay, you're a four and thirteen team to you're a you know. Seven and ten, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you need to win Indy. You need to win Houston. You need to three or four wins in division, and then you 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 know you got to win one of these teams like Atlanta, Tennessee, Green Bay, something along those lines. 
yeah, tough to see. Tough to, I, tough to see more than seven wins on here, even if your defense is top ten, in my opinion. Um, a lot of disadvantage. No, the, the, yeah, the, the top ten defense yeah. gets you to like gets you your win total. It gets yeah. you to like seven. Yeah. But if the offense doesn't uh, show up in a meaningful way, there's not a, a real clear path to winning the division, getting eight, nine, ten wins. You know, yeah. Because still, like, if it's a middle-of-the-pack offense, yeah, you still get the shit kicked out of you by Philly, Buffalo, San Francisco, but you win like 80% of those coin flip games on the rest of the schedule. And uh, Here's the problem, like, though, man. Suddenly Here's... it's a really bad – it's another team that's – Hosting a wild card as a dog. 11 through elite week 11 through 15 is where things go sideways for me with these guys. And actually, really, you want to go week eight through 15. Back to back roadies, Buffalo, Houston. You get Tennessee at home. Yeah, you just got to punt that Buffalo game. Back to back roadies, San Francisco, Indy. You get Carolina at home. Back to back roadies, Atlanta, Green Bay. So that is six road games in eight weeks there. Um, You got an early buy. So, you know, you're there's no saving none of them are like sleepover games. None of them are sleepover games. The indie game, which is sort of the maybe the one you circle like, well, maybe we get those guys. Well, that one indie's coming off of their buy and you're you know, that's a nasty travel spot. Tampa to San Francisco. Turn around Tampa to Indy. No, thanks. That's a terrible travel spot at the end of November. Um, and I think even the sandwich home game you got in the middle there versus Carolina, like Carolina is going to be much better at that point in the season than they will be at the beginning of the season, just based on the you know young quarterback getting reps. I think yeah. you're kind of screwed here. This looks yeah, like that's, a, that's this looks like a really bad schedule to me. You know, the, the positive is rookie quarterbacks. The positive is playing bad teams that are in rebuild. The negative devil's advocate is obviously – well, the Houston and Indy games are two of your most winnable games, but they're on the road and they're back-to-backs after good teams. <laughs> yeah, right. In kind of bad travel spots. Bad travel spots. And you're All right, let's see what, uh, what kind of betting player. odds we're going to get on this shit heap of a team. <laughs> uh, Chris Godwin we, was good. We made the joke because we had a typo on a card about having to add a zero. Essentially, that's what we did to their Super Bowl odds. That's wild, West. yeah. Plus 750 yeah. was down, plus 7,500. Yeah. It's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough to get me off the couch. No, thank you. I think my fair price is over 100 to 1 for them to win the Super Bowl. Um, and I don't even know if I would, if I would, if, I don't know what price you would have to get me to actually put money down on these guys to win the Super Bowl, but that's fine. Um, NFC 50 to 1, same story. Not a big enough number, even close. Uh, NFC South plus 750. You know, if their schedule wasn't as, uh, de- you know, didn't have quite as many disadvantages, I mean, maybe we're talking ourselves into something here, but because that's a big number for a bad ish division or at least a perceived bad division. Um, and you know, again, like inexperience with Atlanta and Carolina at the quarterback position, you got a defense that blitzes the shit out of the ball, uh, you know, maybe. Maybe NFC South is achievable, but um, I just think the ceiling for this team is more like seven wins. Make playoffs no minus 500 looks fair. Uh, win total is six and a half, juice to the under. So people have already had their turn believing that the tank will be on when we get to the end of the season, which I guess is maybe the thing we didn't even really weave into looking at the schedule. Not exactly sure who ultimately is on this roster as you get to the end of the season and you're going with some of those kind of key coin flip games. It gets you to five, six, seven wins instead of four. So I think if I had to make a play on this team, I'm probably playing all under four and a half wins just in case they decide to rip it all out. But uh, I don't even know if the price is going to be worth that at this point because under six and a half is already juiced to minus 142. You're, you're gonna get like plus two twenty five or something. It's not gonna be great enough, and there's still, I mean, there's still so many bad quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, bad teams in that second half of the schedule. It just it feels like, like I said, awful lot of six and seven wins. So then we kind of went over range of outcomes. I said kind of five to eight. With uh, not for maybe I'll lean more towards just not many eights, six and seven a lot. Win total is probably set just about perfectly. Um, 
be interesting. I guess if Baker doesn't work out, I guess Andy GM get Trask in there immediately. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely. You, know, you, you spent draft capital on him. See what you got with, um, you know, with this skill position players you have, and see what's going on. Maybe he's the day one starter. Who knows? It doesn't feel that way. I know the camp reports or something, but you don't go out and get. You know, someone who a former first overall who's not that deep into his career. This isn't like, and we'll we'll talk about this in you know uh, next episode. But this isn't the Andy Dalton sit and hold their hand from the bench, teach him about being in the league kind of signing when Baker Mayfield. They didn't have Bam very much. It's a very reasonable quarterback, uh, you know, contract, but. Still, it does feel like they signed him to play. They feel, probably feel like that gives him the best chance. And I don't know, man. I'm I'm very, very, very strongly considering starting Trask Week One if I'm them. I think I think it's the right move because you want to know what you got there. But it for my prognostication is the fact that this team didn't sell off and still is at least a little bit going for it. That doesn't feel like, Hey, we should start a rookie quarterback and see what we have. Then it just, it doesn't jive with the philosophy that they're putting, you know, the vibe they're putting out. I agree with you. I'd want to know what I have with him because I think I know what I have with Baker, but I think if, if I can be talked into, Hey, this guy fixed Gino, he can fix anybody. You know, it, it does feel like they at least start the season. Although we literally saw, what happens starting a season with Baker Mayfield last year in division. You were part of that. You were very close up. You, you were sitting on the glass and got to watch that whole thing unfold. So be interesting to see. We'll know more obviously in a few weeks once they've had some preseason games, by the time you listen to this, maybe we'll know a lot more. And then yeah, betting plan was, uh, if this, this could be an under team. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, if against a good struggles. against a good pass rush, I'm not even hesitating. The thing is that I'm going through their cumulative, you know, kind of net difference, net differential here. They don't play a ton of really nasty pass rushes. So that's kind of why I think you just go with tr- roll Trask, man. You get Minnesota and uh, Chicago, one, two. Like, get him a little bit of confidence. Then you got to go against Philly. That's tough. New Orleans, bye. Like, I, I think I kind of, I kind of, I, I kind of want to see that. I mean, I don't have any f- strong feeling that Trask is any good, but you picked him second round, end of the, end of the second round in 2021. Uh, so this is it for him. Like, you need to see him this year or you need to move on. Um, that was pretty decent draft capital. So. Um, kind of an interesting uh, question about what you do there. Trask, I didn't realize Trask was that same uh, same year of quarterbacks as Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones and uh, and uh, Fields and Zach Wilson. Yeah, and Trey that's Lance. all I have to say about Tampa Bay, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't have yeah. I don't have any other notes. Just uh. See how this defense plays. See what happens at quarterback, and I can really have to worry about this team too deep into the season. Anyway, we'll figure it out. I guess it depends on the rest of the division plays. So, with that, let's close this one up, and we'll take a quick break. We'll take a quick commercial break here before we talk some Panthers. Mm-hmm. 